After a glittering Thursday night of disco dancing at Aunt Charlie's in San Francisco, I did something that I never do. I went home with a stranger. He was a beautiful Irish DJ from Berlin with a fabulous red mullet and a very neat mustache. Drunk with attraction and mini bottles of $2 champagne, we set out on a pre-dawn trek from the Tenderloin to his Airbnb in the Castro. The city was, of course, asleep. There were no cars or people, and the only sounds we heard were our giggles and wet lips clumsily smashing into each other. That was until at some point in Hayes Valley or the Lower Hate, I really can't remember which, we heard the muffled sounds of music coming from behind us. Kissing in a nook, two people holding hands in the middle of the night. Red car, blue car, stoplight, and the moon. So went the lyrics, or at least I think they did, to a song that appeared out of nowhere to describe exactly what was happening in front of us, to us. What I saw when I looked back over my shoulder can only be described as pure magic. A scruffy little man with a microphone and amplifier was walking around San Francisco at four in the morning, playing the dreamiest, bedroomiest, lo-fi synth music through a crummy speaker, all while crooning softly into the microphone improvised lyrics about what was happening all around us in this soporific world. I don't remember the redhead's name anymore, but I can't forget the way the music sounded as we walked several blocks with this mysterious songman until he seemingly evaporated into thin air. Conventional wisdom would assume that this was an outsider artist, incapable of behaving inside the parameters of quote-unquote normal society. No record deals, no venue, no performances, no merch, no tour. Just the extremely early morning amblings of a man with nothing more than a microphone and an amp. It then would be necessary to note to you, dear listener, that Despite how unconventional his preferred performance style was, his music was actually good, and he was a surprisingly competent singer and lyricist. One could almost imagine that he could do this for real and sell records and make some real money if he were just normal. But this narrative is, quite frankly, bullshit. The condescension cast upon people who are outside of normative inroads to success and fortune are nothing more than a bourgeois class projecting their anxieties about the hierarchical divisions to which they, too, are vulnerable. These armchair appraisers need outsiders to reinforce their insiderness, without realizing that the so-called outsider, by their very existence, invalidates these meaningless dichotomies. If you remove incentives like profit and prestige, you are left with someone so honest it feels like a raw nerve to anybody who has bought into the system mind, body, and soul. They are a constant reminder that it was possible to do it without money, approval, or acceptance. They are the foil to the sellout, and that's too painful to bear. If neoliberalism is the unbridled rule of the market, then these so-called outsiders are the antidote, because their persistence in creative production beyond productive ends is a denial of the market altogether. So we relegate them to the outside of some intangible inside, 
where we can admire them like test animals or statistical anomalies. Someone so rare and so uncooptable that we can't define them with our current discourse, and instead we just marvel at their ability to do anything at all and appreciate their valiant effort with a wink of irony. Because you wouldn't want to be caught dead genuinely liking anything or anyone that undermines the integrity of the culture industry. I, along with my co-creator Michael, would like to provide another hypothesis for this mysterious singing man and others like him. People maybe even a bit like ourselves. These phenomena of inspiration and motivation are not a glitch in the system, but a peek behind the curtain. A look at the possibilities when the mighty and all-powerful are unmasked and stripped of their role as gatekeeper, appraiser, curator, programmer, board member, artist, rock star, etc., etc., etc. A tear in the fabric of reality that reveals its inherent irreality. A jolt of truth that lets us know we never needed anyone to do the things we wanted besides ourselves. Human beings are creative. It's a defining trait of the entire species. Some of the people we're going to interview might have gone to art school or achieved some degree of success in their career. Maybe they've been appraised by institutions as good or talented. Or maybe people with great success and validation in their own right have admired them or championed them. But what binds all of these people together is an ardent resistance to the commercialization and professionalization of the arts into the culture industry. They are incapable of following trends, and they aren't afraid to let their work bear the mark of the human hand. Perfection, high production value, and fashion are tossed aside to make way for boundless play. This aversion, or even outright refusal to cooperate with the power behind the purse, is often precisely why these figures remain peripheral. And many of the people we will meet and interview aren't loners either. Many of them have or had supportive families, friends, lovers, or communities. In the culture industry, solidarity is never the goal. We don't esteem good enough artists or sufficiently skilled musicians or A for effort writers or performers or filmmakers or... You're either wonderful, miraculous, genius, or you're invisible. And of course, there is a rather unsavory and cruel third category. When you're so bad, it's good. So bad, so bad it's good. So bad, it's good. So bad, it's good. Coded in this third category is an idea that good art and bad art are fixed, black and white, and finite. What a tragically narrow idea of what the creative potential of humanity is. People and their forms of expression are myriad, mutable, and fantastically incomprehensible. We are complicated, flawed, lonely, scared, and sometimes, for brief moments, very, very vibrant. The brazen sense of self-importance in a person that thinks they have the intellectual and emotional quotient necessary to see through the empirically bad to find the nugget of nuanced good is, in a word, breathtaking. So instead, this is what we're going to do. We're spending my entire $1,200 stimulus check to pay every person that we are featuring in this podcast series. I'm hoping that by the time that money runs out, we might have some subscribers or Patreons that want to help us out by supporting us financially so we can keep paying people for their most valuable resource, time. Together, we can build an oral history archive that celebrates artists, 
creators, and thinkers who have the courage to be outside of whatever noxious cult maintains that there even is an inside. Honestly, I could go on talking about these things for hours. More information just opens up more beautiful mysteries. What a time for a misunderstanding. <laughs> because we are vehemently against advertising on principle, we won't be looking for sponsors or brand partners to fund this going forward. So anything you can give is very, very appreciated. Finally, as a point of disclaimer, we are calling ourselves an archive because that is, in essence, what we want to build. But we are also reflexive to the fact that archives are vulnerable and fallible. And they are as much a reflection of the collector as the collected items themselves. That said, we are open to constructive criticism and extremely eager to get suggestions for new people to research and talk to. We are not experts, thank God. We're enthusiasts, and we think that's an important distinction. We have no intention of appraising the works of the people we interview as good or bad, and we aren't claiming to fully endorse them as people with complicated opinions, experiences, traumas, backgrounds, politics, and so forth. If we had one statement to make, it would be this. The people in this archive have not succumbed to the cynicism which deflates or defeats a lot of us while pursuing our goals and fantasies. For this reason, even if only for this reason, we wanted to collect their stories into this archive. So please join us as we embark on an experiment with no clear end in mind. We're wandering through the lives and minds of some very unique individuals who remain unyielding, whatever the consequences. Welcome to the Reverie Archives, a collection of unreasonable dreamers and the worlds that they create.